Hey, welcome to the Gospel Rant, and haven't heard that before. This is a dual podcast. The series is Christianityism versus the Gospel uh, and uh, Gospel Rant, but in HHTV, it's I Am With You, number three. Uh, it's a mini-series on both of them, looking at the passages, the passages where God says to someone or some group, I am with you. I want us to see this in our context today. Uh, within the pandemic of loneliness that we're experiencing, our corporate longing for being connected and being wanted, and where we look to, to satisfy that or begin to satisfy, scratch that itch. And I've been making the contrast between a live Christianity, the stuff that Jesus embodied and taught about, uh, God with us, not just geographically, but intentionally. He's pursuing, he's grasping, he's hugging, he's kissing, he's being empathetic towards, he's listening, he's looking into our face, he's accepting. I mean, real deep, positive relationship stuff. So contrasting that with modernistic Christianityism that looks a lot more secular, humanistic, and dualistic, and uh, more like deism. So God loves me, uh, check the box, and is philosophically with me, check the box. But because I'm flesh and sinful flesh, I shouldn't expect to experience that withness until I get to heaven, and only hopefully then. But I don't expect that it's going to make a difference in my life. I mean, science tells me that, that miracles just don't happen, and why would I expect that? It's too painful to be disappointed. So Christianityism is... I just need to gird my loins, roll up my sleeves, and do the best I can. Um, so, yeah, just so we're in that generation where Christians just are leaning into their own understanding and, and power and doing good things on their own, more or less. But we could always do more, and then hopefully we get God's attention, and we are less celestial lonely. I'll say more about that. Well, the ancients didn't have that modern notion, not like we do. God with us meant something. It was more than just me being with my microphone as I say this. It was an impactful witness. It should be a noticeable witness. The witness should move me, change me, grab my attention, grab my focus. It should motivate me, diminish my fear, satiate my loneliness a little or a lot. I should actually long for more witness. All right, there are only 15 cases where God says, I'm with you. And in those verses, which we're going to look at separately, I want to invite us to read the phrase in the way I believe that the ancients actually got it. So we have to set aside our modernistic glasses, our Christianityism glasses, and really get into their sandals. God was with them so much that they got it. They felt it. They needed to feel it. In some cases, due to fears and, and in situations where they were overwhelmed. But in all cases, they needed to feel his favor and calling, right, because of not feeling connectedness or enoughness, and it was noticeable. And in the case of Joshua, which we're going to look at in this podcast, it was noticeable to all Israel. So here's the text, Joshua 3, uh, 1 through 7. Early in the morning, and this was after the spies came back from Jericho, right, that whole story. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, who are the Levites, carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. 
right? They'd been in exile. They'd been in slavery in Egypt. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. I don't know where uh, the officers came up with that number, but there it is, a thousand yards. And I think in, you know, the art of biblical exegesis, I think that just means keep a lot of distance. I don't think they measured a thousand yards. So keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Don't go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you, right? Experiential, visible. Joshua said to the priest, take the ark of the covenant and pass ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, I want to focus on verse seven. Today, I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel so that they may know I am with you as I was with Moses. Go to the next chapter, verse 14. That day, when they crossed over, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they revered him. They feared him. They respected him. They showed him deference all the days of his life, just as they had shown deference to Moses. Well, I mean, you know, that's a saying. They didn't always show deference to Moses, did they? So I want to point out an obvious contrast. There's the mention of a physical distance between Israel and the Ark of the Covenant, right? Verse 4, they said that they should keep a distance of about 1,000 feet, or or was it 1,000 yards, a long way. That's the the whole point, Um, 1,000 yards. And uh, locational distance, geographical distance, and the author understands what geographical distance is all about. Reverence to God, respect for God is being taught. Uh, and fear of God, too. You can't just hang out near the ark or play on it or grab hold of it. There's a separation, right? There is to be a distance between you and it, is what they're saying. You don't go near it, karav in the Hebrew. But a couple of verses later, the Lord says, just like God was with Moses, he will be with Joshua, with. And in both cases, with Moses, with Joshua, it's a simple, pure preposition, im, which means with. There is every reason to interpret this withness different from the lack of withness between Israel and the ark. And Eam could cover both, but I'm just suggesting there's a contrast. It's a different kind of withness. But it is a withness that the people can know, yada. They can see something, get something, and somehow know. They can deduce, see that Joshua, God is with him, the same way we knew that Moses was with God. Maybe subtle, but the implication is that this witness is more than the people's distance, uh, geographical. How do you get a thousands of people to know anything? Well, I believe that the implication is that this is a big difference. They didn't pass out leaflets or do a sermon or two or some social media campaign. The people saw the witness of God, God with Joshua, and they knew. They looked at that and went, man. Uh, we got this. There is something different now about Joshua. And um, God explains what it felt like. It was God who did it. He says, today, I will exalt you in the eyes of all Israel. I will make you great in their eyes. Maybe change their perception of Joshua subconsciously. It's not clear. But I will expand their view of you, their expectations of you as a leader, because you're with me. I'm with you. So you are changed or your status has changed, or the people will see you as changed. Your reputation, perhaps, will be changed. It doesn't make you perfect. But when they see you, they will somehow see or at least know that I'm there. I'm with you. I'm great. And therefore, me with you is worthy of being feared and, and reverent because I am with you.
Now, a lot of what I said here is interpretive and deductive, right? We're not given a lot of bullet points in this PowerPoint presentation. We know God doesn't make Joshua 20 feet tall or more handsome or giving a better speaking voice. He's still a person. He's still Joshua. But something happens, which I experimented with as I described all this, that was clear enough to Israel. And remember from earlier in their dealings with Moses, they were tough to convince of anything. So here's what I'm saying to us today, the the conclusion. We live in an era, a unique era of God being with us. Post-cross, the Holy Spirit within our inner being, with us in the greatest and most intimate possible way. See, my question is, are you experiencing something of what it means that God is with you? Because God is with you. Or have you been so immersed in Christianityism for so long that you have come to imagine that, that God isn't with you, that you're alone, that God is only with you theologically and philosophically, but geographically, he's a long way away. Have you and I lost the longing for more withness, God withness? Right? And it's scary. I get that because we can be disappointed if we long for something and it doesn't happen again and again and again and again. But in so many ways, our longing is based upon previous experience. For most of us, there was a time when I didn't feel God with me, God withness, and the very next moment I felt God withness. It's what drives my present longing, right? And I'm not saying that the withness with the Holy Spirit that we feel is the same thing that Joshua felt. But there is something about God withness that should change us. And if God withness is in any way like that, uh, God's witness related to Joshua, it should be noticeable. That's what I'm saying to you and to others. And to others. It should raise a perception of your value uh, similar uh, to you or to others. It should make you seem like you have more worth to others, to you. And it should definitely make a difference in your sense of disconnectedness and enoughness. I said this in a previous HHTB podcast, but it, it serves here as well. Jerry Noble, the founder of the Unlonely Project, speaks of three types of loneliness. There is interpersonal loneliness or psychological loneliness. That's a common feeling, the way we use it, of my needing to be with someone or being connected with someone. Do I have a friend? Do I have a loved one? Do I have a relationship? Do I have someone I can tell my troubles to? So even I call it, you know, I need to get a dog loneliness. It's, it's relational interpersonal. Then there's existential loneliness. Do I fit in the universe? Does my life have any meaning, purpose, weight, valence, mission? And and, uh, Noble finds such questions particularly troublesome for 18 to 24-year-olds who are, studies have shown, the loneliest group in the country right now. And then there's a third type of loneliness, societal. We hear a lot about that in media. If I enter a room, is my arrival both anticipated and welcomed? Prejudice can augment this type of loneliness, Noble says, quote, it affects anyone subject to exclusion, including people who don't meet our beauty standards, people with disabilities, and even many older adults. Society systematically excludes people often, right? We can think of racism at this point. Well, think of Joshua. Uh, When this happened, whatever the this is, I'm going to suggest that he felt uh, an enhancement, a reduction in his interpersonal loneliness. I'm going to suggest that he he felt a a reduction in existential loneliness, and I'm going to suggest that he felt a reduction in societal loneliness. And matter of fact, that one's clear because the people saw him and revered him then. 
So God with Joshua would in some way or another affect each of the three. Not the cure, not this side of the hev- of heaven, but give the disconnected, the isolated and lonely a hope for a future cure for loneliness. That's, that's got to be good. And when Joshua experienced God withness, I believe it changed him. I believe he felt it. I believe he needed to feel it because of his calling. His calling was vast. First, to step in the sandals of Moses. Oh, my goodness, that's a tough gig. And then to begin to conquer the land with all of the tribes that were in the land. Oh, my goodness, that's a tough gig. And then to lead, you know, the Israelites were a tough group. Uh, so Joshua is going to need witness with God and intimacy there, uh, a sense of uh, a satisfaction for being out there. Um, look, this, this is what we've been exploring. This is why we created the dance, by the way. And I beg you, I beg you again to do the dance. It's a powerful, intensive reminder for Christians that God is with you, that God, that the witness with God means something and you should experience it, that he adores you as much as the father loves the son and the son loves the father as you are, whether you feel it right now or, or in a late little while, this, this is a shame free invite. Because we're not going to ask you to do anything that, that you can't do. Just go and sign up and spend the 90 minutes. It, it doesn't have to be all in one sitting. You can spread it out. Uh, there's seven stations. You can do one station a day. Some people do that. But you're being drenched with the withness that comes from God. And again, it's not a cure. Heaven's the cure. But it's hope shaping. And it should quench your loneliness just a little bit. And and. Boy, that's helpful because right now, whether you know it or not, your subconscious is looking for loneliness to be ended in all the wrong places, right? And, and we'll show you how to begin to experience the, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit in your inner being to make you feel the height and width and length and depth of the love of Christ for you. Imagine looking up into Jesus's face by faith and seeing his face light up as he sees you. He catches your eyes, his eyes dilate, big old grin on his face because he sees you and you see him. You know those connections, and somehow, in a way that only he can do, you just know that he's happy to be with you right now, and he would rather be nowhere else in the universe. And wouldn't that be something? It might just begin to rewire a little or a lot that inner brain wiring related to connectedness, or lack of connectedness, or fear of connectedness. And not to mention enoughness. Um, We say that Christians should never deny this deep longing for more God withness. Beginning right now, um, Christianityism seems to imply that, you know, science says, uh, yeah, it's it's ignorant people who, who who believe that this withness with God can be experienced. No, this witness is not a theological or philosophical thing, a box check, but something that makes a real difference in our life. It's experiential. Not alone, but it is experiential. It is relevant. It begins to scratch some itches and satisfies uh, our, our beings just a little bit. And it satisfies some longing. Some. So don't fall back to lifeless Christianityism or your own capacity to deal with your own celestial longing or loneliness. I mean, dogs are great. Go ahead and get one. But you long for more. Relationships are great, but you long for more. By the way, I'll be preaching at Central Reform Church in Sioux Center, Iowa on July 11th. This podcast will come out after that, but you can go to their website and download it and listen to it. I'm preaching from Psalm 34. I'm looking at David, and the the title is Never More Loved. 
and I recommend it to you. It's all about the answer to the question for those of us who struggle with not being connected uh, and fears of not being connected. In prep, check out the amazing song Gyra by Elevation Worship. It is crazy good and on point. All right, we'll pick this up in the next podcast in the series on both Haven't Heard That Before and Gospel Rant. Take heart, child of God. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.